while we are standing, I would like to lead us in prayer. And we've got a lot of needs in the fellowship, in the local church, um, individuals around the world that would need prayer. I believe prayer works. Um, we don't always make a request and God jumps. You know, when I was in full Pentecost, we get into a situation where we want to tell God what to do. He never does. He does what he feels should be done. And so when we pray, we pray according to his will. And I remember individuals that would make long prayers. The Pharisee made long prayers. And we don't want to be Pharisees. Ask God to help us. But um, while you're standing, I'm going to read a letter that I received. I'm not going to mention names, but um, here is a letter I got this week. Dear Pastor, it's been a long time since I conveyed some greetings to you. Uh, greetings to you and your family. My sincere greetings and prayer to Mom, Sister Chandri. Thank you, Pastoring, for mentioning such in need of prayers during the course of your preaching. Um, this person follows us online. Um, I'm not mentioning the name, even though I've mentioned the name a few times. Sometimes you mention the name of an individual and their friends persecute them because they're following that crazy man called Desmond Singh. Their, their own friends persecute them. And so she says, um, we thank God for technology which keeps a connection to those who are far away from each other, especially those of the, of the household of faith. Most of all, thank you for all your prayers which you offer and sacrifice for me and my husband and family. Every labor and sin sacrifice done unto God will always bring marvelous results. Here are the marvelous results. And then she names a church that as a result of our streaming, a church got started. She and her husband got a church started. And she names the church. I don't want to do that right now. You may not understand why you were forced to pray for me and keep on live streaming and even storing the messages on Spotify so this work of God might be the reason why so much compelling an emphasis is doing that. She says, on my side, I greedily, greedy listen to all the messages which were recorded from the year 2020 to a point when there is no more fear of the unknown in me except the fear of the Lord. This is a new, there is a newborn local assembly being ministered unto by me and my husband. And your messages and prayers become the anchor of our faith and help us to endure all the hardships. We are surviving here by casting all our burdens and challenges on the Lord and trusting in God, who is the author and finish of our salvation. I say long live, Pastor. 
And, and once again, thank you for all your prayers and messages towards us. And it is, it is important when we, when we hear something like this, and you and I sit here in North America, we sit in the heart of the church, and we fail to comprehend how these messages on Spotify can save you. I've got individuals that write me and say that, take away Spotify and my life would be a disaster. Because individuals sit in big churches where their pastor is into the charismatic kind of an attitude, even though they call themselves Gospel Assembly. And we are Gospel Assembly, but I think most of the churches, they think contrary to each other. Um, when I sit in a minister's meeting, and I haven't gone to one for a while, the last one I went to, I listened to the various concepts. The minister that conducted the meeting, he had about four commentaries this side and two different translations of the Bible on this side, plus his King James. And they were carrying on and debating and wondering if there's a real devil or, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And I stood up and I said, can I be excused? And listen to how we are divided and we call ourselves the body of Christ. See, I'm the one that's blunt. I don't have apologies and I'm blunt. We said, well, we are united, not if our doctrines are different. Well, it's going to happen in the future. How many years now? 100? And it's not happening? It's not going to happen. And so prayer that we pray at this church, a simple prayer over the internet has helped individuals. And so when I say we're going to pray before church start, I'm not trying to preach to God when I'm praying. I pull my heart together and try to be as sincere as possible because this wretched man saved by grace, not of works, need to respect God Almighty because it's his mercy that is bestowed upon us. And so today I want you to join me in prayer as we pray. Father, we thank you for being our dear Heavenly Father. And Lord, we have a million things to ask you. And you know before we even open our mouth, Father, what the desires of our hearts are today. Today, Lord, we're not asking you for riches or wealth or fame or popularity or financial or numerical growth. We are asking you, Father, that you'll have mercy on us and let your perfect will be accomplished in our lives. If some of us are suffering in our body, Lord, and that is given for a purpose, then Give us grace to endure that. If some of us have trials and problems in our lives that you have designed for us to bring us into maturity, please give us grace. Today, Lord, remember every one of the children, your children that are in this service today that are sick in their bodies. We pray, oh Father, that you'll please have mercy on your people. Heal them when it is necessary and sustain them when it is necessary. God, we thank you 
God, we love you. Father, we love you from the depths of our hearts. Give us a greater love for thee, Father. Help us to endure, O oh God, even unto the end. And so today, Lord, we bring our brothers and sisters around the world. We don't all, we might not all be seeing alike, Father, but we wish that one day, and we pray that one day we would be able to do that. Unite your people, unite your, our hearts together. Heal our body, heal our minds, heal our spirits, Father. Father, we ask you in Jesus' wonderful name. Remember Brother Eugene at this time. Remember Brother Beer at this time. Remember some of our saints, Sister Polly and, and Sister Phillips and some of the senior ones, Sister Monica, Father, these individuals that are struggling in their lives. We pray you'll be with them. Help every child of God in this assembly. Those that are struggling physically, those that are struggling financially, give us grace to follow thee in spite of the situation. Blessed service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Sometimes they say that put your money where your mouth is. Isn't that what they say? Out there in the world? Well, I got a surprising offering in the mail wired to me and a group of saints got together and says we want to send this little offering to you in the mail and I really appreciate that um, from a poor country across the world they got together put their money together and sent 500 Canadian dollars and I give God thanks for that. And I have found that this is how God works. I thought last night Brother John did a good job here exhorting you. And I think I was asking Sister Carol if she want to preach again today. You know, since it, before the pandemic started and we went through the pandemic, I've seen Sister Carol for what she normally is back in place last night and she has been here she has a lot on our plate a lot to worry about a lot to be concerned about but I believe God never errs in judgment he never gives you what is not required in your life to help you grow um, I have said this a million times that when Chandri wrote that letter to me and says it takes stormy waters to produce skilled sailors. You might not, you might believe serving God is a breeze. It is not a breeze. Um, anything that is good takes sacrifice. And I decided I felt like the Lord placed it in my heart when I was 12 years old that I wanted to serve the Lord. I don't know what it was, but they made an altar call and the pastor that was there, his name was uh, Reverend Harry Das, and he was running a crusade and he made an altar call and I went up and I said, I'd like to give my life to the Lord, 12 years old. 
And so the path was all along the one day after the other. This is my gospel. If you want to read Paul's gospel, go read your Bible. Um, Jeremiah's gospel, read your Bible. Isaiah's gospel, we'll get into some of that later on today. But this is my gospel. I remember my first paycheck, I gave it all to my mom. I was three months paid together. Was a little less than $300, was $99 a month. I have that pay stub of the first paycheck I received for $99 a month. And when I got all that money, I went and says, Mom, here it is, uh, 300 almost $300. I said, this is for you to help take care of expenses. And she found an envelope somewhere and she put it in. She said, that's offering. And she called it first fruits. She said, that's offering first fruits. And we have individuals in this church um, that when they get a job, a brand new job, the first paycheck, they write it to the church. And they always put on that envelope first fruits. There are people that, is, that do, will do that all the time, even though they can use that money. And I was a little bit upset. Why are I just give you the money? Why are you doing that? But I worked for two years, and I put all my every paycheck I receive, I put in my mom's hand. They were my parents. Those days, kids support parents. Wonderful days. We loved our parents. Could never replace my dad, could never replace my mom. And uh, I was first pastoring. I went full time. My pastor had to leave and he went to the United States and I was left. Young man, 18, 19 years old, 19 years old, and I was left in charge of these little groups of churches. It was not easy. But every negative situation that God brought in my path was given to me to make me stronger. Every storm that rocked my boat was given to help me to become a more skilled sailor. I did not run from the storms. I readjust my sails so I can go through the storms. And God has taught me over the years how to be strong, how to be faithful. And I was blessed to find this fellowship in 1975 when Chandra and I and Nadine came to the United States in 1975, March. And we were privileged to become a part of Gospel Assembly churches. My pastor was Lloyd Goodwin. Worked with a little church in Hartford, Connecticut. Loved the people. First service I sat in, Brother Wedderburn was my, uh, he was the teacher. Brother Shields, who has passed away now, was the, uh, the pastor for the church. And we sat there, didn't have status in America. And if Brother Wedderburn had $20 and you needed 10, he would give you 10. That's how I call dedication. 
His wife's sister, Wedderburn, Brother John's a sister, she would go out every day and work like a slave and bring home enough to take the family. We stayed in their home and they, they did treat us with royalty. We were there to learn how to trust God. And Nadine was about three years old when we got there. She was still in Pampers at that time. And, um, and, and then, you know, every child that's with Pampers, you want to wait say, when they're going to give it up Pampers? Because in, we are in Guyana, you know, Pampers in Guyana, you didn't have it at that time. You just, you cloth napkins, right? And you come in America, you got to get Pampers. Otherwise, it takes money to live in America. And then one day, like we're trying to say, you know, try, train, 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 train. And this kid, one day she got up, she says, I want to use the bathroom. That was it. She did not need Pampers again. She just decided one day she was going to use the bathroom. And I'm thankful to God that Nadine stayed with us, you know, Sister Carol. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful to God. And I was telling Brother Vid this morning, or somebody, I don't know who I was telling, maybe Jasmine or Brother Vid, that if Nadine starts to spend more time and pray, her song would not just be an inspiration to start a spirit of individuals, but people would get converted. Really? See, I get emotional for everything. And I say this because people do get blessed. I put that, that song tape that Brother Joe made with Nadine's the singing and the worship. I put that in my pocket and I'm doing things. And it brings tears to my eyes. My eyes water over with tears because God is in it. And this is a very beautiful church, it's a valuable church. It's something that is designed by God to save us. And every trial that you have, you've got to respond accordingly to the Word of God. Don't just lean on your own understanding. Faith is when you learn to trust God. And stop leaning on your own wisdom. Well, I got things I'm going to work this out. Listen. Let the will of God be accomplished in your life. And that is important. This church has challenges. And when I'm finished preaching today, we'd have a little business meeting. Where we'll talk about a few important things that should be done. But I listened to Sister Carol last night, I listened to Brother John. And one of the things I said last night was in church, and if you weren't there and you weren't following us online, you would have missed that. But this man came down to me and he said, a real estate man I saw, and he came and he had one shoe on and one slipper on. And I looked at him, very handsome young man, and he stood there. And he says, I'm inviting you for an open house. I said, so I looked on his one shoes and one slipper. I said, is this a new style? He says, no, I, I hurt my toe on the one so I can only wear slippers. So I said, why didn't you think about wearing slippers on both? 
than a shoe on one and slipper on one. I said it would have been better off if he had slippers and both. And we get into talking, and I like to get into talking because when you get into talking, you can talk about God. And January would tell you whether we are in the dollar store or we're in McDonald's or I'm waiting for her, Tim Hortons. You get into conversation with people and God comes up. And that's important. And I might go to Tim Hortons, and let's just pass time into Tim Hortons while I'm waiting for Chandri to complete her blood works. And this man was there, and I read the letter uh, this morning. And he, you know, this man was there, and he turned around and looked at me, and he started a conversation, and we talked. And when he left, I, he gave me an email, and I made contact with him, and then he wrote me a letter. And he said, I really appreciate. His bottom line was, it's good to know that we serve God. And it's good to know that you have survived and your wife has survived unto this age. He's older than me. It's good to know that when you're out there, you're meeting with individuals. Because I feel the message that God has placed in my heart will save individuals. And it's not going to be thousands of people. So this young man yesterday, uh, when I talked to him, wasn't yesterday, it might have been Friday. He said, I used to go to church. I, I'm, as a matter of fact, I go to a big church. We, have, we used to have, before COVID struck, we used to have about a thousand people plus. He says, but COVID shook it up. And now we're left with just about 300 people. Barely making it in. You see, I'm going to talk to you today and you must understand. I told him, I said, if a thousand people walk into my church, I'll hope that God send me somewhere else. I'm not into big crowds. Imagine a, hundred, a thousand people. One a day at Pentecost, 3,000 were added. That is what came on in. And the priests that came on in, came in with circumcision and all the traditions they brought in. I had a video I was looking at this morning from one of our churches in a part of the world that we are not in. And when I look, it reminds me of the Kali religion I was a part of when they have a ceremony and they're dancing and they're moving in their ceremonial worship, they're jumping, they're dancing, and they're moving. The only thing these that I saw this morning were calling on Jesus. In the Kali religion, they call on Kali. These were calling on Jesus, but they were doing the moves that pagan cultures will do. And if I was a great king called God, I would want people to respect the sanctuary when they come on in. And we talk about Israel being an example. We should go back and take the good example that Israel had. When they worshipped God. And they gathered together and they were faithful. And you know, what is going to destroy this church is a lack of faithfulness. 
Listen to me carefully. Muslims in this city are more faithful to the Muslim religion than children of God are faithful to the church. And you sit there and listen to me because my word will give you life or damn your soul. See, Jesus knew straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and still he says, I come not to send peace, but a sword. And one day he took the sword off, out, and he looked at the congregation, and all his people, you know, come from fish and bread and whatever reason they were there. And he says, you've got to follow my lifestyle. You see, lifestyle is important than screaming and shouting. He says, you've got to eat. He says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. Stop following your fathers. They're dead. He says, I am the bread. If he was standing here today, he would say the same thing. Yes, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. I am the bread, he would say, that came down from heaven. That if any man eat of this bread, he shall live. You shall partake of my flesh and you shall drink of my blood, he said. In other words, your lifestyle has to be changed. And you've got to be more faithful, not than the Pharisees. You've got to be more faithful than the Muslims. And the Hindus. And the Buddhists. And the apostate Christians, of course. And if I have to bring in some sort of a pagan ritualistic thing here in this church. Before you can start to attend more faithful because you like the music. You're sick. I want to be saved. Not to just play religion. This is what happened to Israel all the years. And when we look at it, Jesus told the people, he already knew that straight is the gate and now is the way. And you see some people coming on in. Praise God. We got a crowd here. He says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I say, what? They said, this is a hard thing you're telling us to do. See, I'm here telling you. That it is sad when we come to church. And there was a time when the band used to have practice one hour before church. Y'all listen to me. Because I'm not building a band. I'm hoping to build a church. See, if I was living far away from the church and it takes me 20 minutes to come to church, I leave home one hour and 20 minutes early. Because I like to be in this place one hour before. And you in this church must learn to take on my spirit. And look around in the church and see who else follows my example and follow them. 
who is not following my example, don't follow them. And so that day when Jesus said that, he says, you got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. you got to follow my lifestyle. They got offended. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can do this? You want us to come to church all the time? Yes. You want us not to miss a service? Yes. I don't care if you live one million miles away. As long as you get here on time, one hour before, that's great. I've gone to Rochester when we used to go. And did I ever come late for church? No. Listen to me carefully. Your commitment should be the church. You might go out of here and got a few people listening to you. Don't kid yourself. The priority is the church. Well, you know, I go out and got a group of people listening to me. Hypocrites if they don't show, show the church and you become a hip leader of hypocrites. Don't look at me so steadfastly. Look at me. And so when Jesus said that the day, the Bible says many of his disciples walked away and walked no more with him. They left him. And they sat there and Peter and James and John and all these, the twelve, they stood there and watched the people. You ever had people walk out of church on you? Well, not too much in Canada. But I remember in America, I remember the early days in Canada. Mm -hmm. When I just came and we were in College Street and I was rough and green and did not have patience. Now I have patience. I might say something hard, but it breaks my heart more than yours. And the sister came on in, this lady came on in, and she said, Brother Singh, I love you. This is before church. And she says, I love you. This, this is good. You're in a brand new place, a pastor in a brand new church, and somebody walk over and says, I love you. I love the way you talk. I love your preaching. You saved me, Brother Singh. And so I said, okay, I'll do my best. And so I got up in church that day. And while I'm preaching, I was talking about some rough things about the whore of Revelation 17. There is in the Bible. There's a lady in chapter 17 of Revelation that the Bible calls a whore. That's a bad word. I should say a bad lady. But the Bible says that. And I'm preaching that. This lady that just loved me 10 minutes before, she got up. Her whole face changed. She said, this disgusting man, and she started walking clean out of the church. She loved me one moment, she stopped loving me the next moment. She walked out on me. One of the first services we had, we started the service early because everybody comes in from other churches coming late. So that day we started early. We started on time, according to the signboard. 
And by the time half an hour, 45 minutes, then we see the door open and the rest of the people after they visit all the other churches, they had to go to them, they're coming on in. Those days I didn't have patience for the job. Now I got more patience. And the door opened up and all these people are pouring in, you know, like 15 people coming on in through the door. Church is full. And when they all got seated, I closed the service. I don't ever believe in being late. God is never late. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, will not be something to be delayed. It says, Gabriel, you're late. No Holy Ghost today. No. When the fullness of time was come, God sent his son. When the day of Pentecost was come, he poured out the spirit. God is never late. And if you're to become like God, then change your habits. I got a book for you, young man. I like when a young man reads. I like when a young man has questions when church is over. And I've got a book for Nathan called... It's titled, Make Your Bed. Is that what it's titled? Make Your Bed. What kind of book is that? Well, I like the book because when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do, before I even leave my room, I make my bed. And I've done that. I did not read a book. It's just my habit. And I've got habits that are molded into my life. I comb my hair as soon as I finish making the bed. I go into the bathroom, wash my face, comb my hair, clean my mouth. What do you do before you go to bed? Same thing. Sister Eunice, if you come in my dreams and meet me, you'll see well-groomed hair. Because I do that. And somebody told me. Because I comb my hair with a brush all the time. That's why my scalp. Keeps the hair on. And that's what I do. I'm telling you. This is my gospel. I've done that. Not because my big brother did it. Not because my little sister did it. Because I feel that's what should be done. True. And when Jesus said that the day, all his disciples walked out and left him. And Peter and James and John, they're looking at the people. Oh my God, he broke up his own church today. All the people that came for fish and bread left. All the people that came for a nice opportunity in life left. All the people that like to hear good preaching left. All the people, the whole bunch of people were leaving. And when they all walked through the door, they walked out on Jesus. Where do you think Jesus is today? If I didn't believe Jesus was in the service, I would not even open my mouth. I believe he's here. And I believe what you hear 
And how you incorporate that is important. Simple things in life. Small foxes are the ones that spoil the vine. And when, done, when all they were gone, he turned around and saw 12 men left. Well, you told them straight is the gate now, is the way, and now you're driving them out. Try to hold on to what you got. Jesus, you need a course in psychology. No, he didn't. I don't need it. He didn't have it. I don't need it. And so he turned to the twelve. You know, Sister Josie, when they all walked out, he had only 12 men left. I mean, everybody's gone. From the 5,000 that he fed one time and all his people that packed up the place, they're all gone. If the Lord is to ask you a question today, knock on your door and ask you, Listen to this carefully. Miracle, you look beautiful today. You did something with your hair? Yes, you did. That's a new hairstyle. I could not even recognize you. I want to say, Sister Eunice, who's that pretty girl next to you? It's a miracle. If the Lord is to tell you that he wants to move this church from here into another city because he's going to destroy this city. Would you go? <laughs> I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. I do. I would like to follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Most preachers today hope the Lamb follow them into whatever they plan for the Lamb. See, we make plans and hope God fits in. And it broke my heart to tell, call Brother Glenn Goodwin and said to him, Brother Glenn, I don't think I'm coming to the meeting this year. Why, Brother Singh? I said, well, I give him the details that I never told you. And he says, you got all reason to not come. Because, you see, I'm standing here, and there are aches and pains on this body that you don't know because I'm faithful preaching the gospel to you. And every pain and every ache that I have in this human body that I endure to preach the gospel puts more blood on your shoulder. And so if we're going to start a band... We have to be on time, man. If you keep a job like that, you wouldn't keep a job. If you're working for me, I'd fire you. Oh, well, that's not the job. This is just church. So God is on the back burner. God is on my front burner in my life. And you see me? I stand here and you don't know what I go because you got enough problems. I listen to yours. I wouldn't let you put my burdens on you. 
But I'm trusting God to stay alive. And I want to stay alive until I'm 90. I already have my burgundy walker downstairs in a box. Think I can quit? I don't know how to quit. But James, James White, one day he wrote me a little note. I've got it somewhere. He wrote me a little poem that he got somewhere. And the title was, Do Not Quit. And so if we're going to start a band, we've got to learn to be punctual. We've got to learn to be in time. Yes, sir. And then the band members would always look at you elders. And if you can't set the example, they got nothing to look to. Because they don't want to look at me. That's too much sacrifice to look at me. You know why I limp? Sometimes. You know why I limp sometimes? Brother Raleigh, you know why I limp sometimes? Huh? Broken heel happened in 2001 while I was painting the back window of the church. The ladder fell. It was November, 70 degrees out. I came to paint the back window of the church and I fell and broke the heel. The doctor says, you'd have arthritis in about three, four years. Don't cut grass, don't go on uneven ground. Oh, Doc, oh, yeah, kill me. Now, God said I should preach. The responsibilities God has placed in my life, He becomes priority, not the doctor. And that is why I'm still here today. And aches and pains don't slow me down. I'll tell you a little secret. Last time I stood in this pulpit on a Sunday and preached. The last 10 minutes I was standing here preaching, I had cold sweat. And I felt like any time I'd faint. Last week, Sunday, I didn't tell you because you got heart problems and I don't want to give that. But I stood up here and I had cold sweat last 10 minutes. And for a moment I thought I should get down and sit. But I say, you know, when Brother Goodwin had, it was preaching and he got sick. He went and sit and then he didn't recover. So I can't do that. I'm going to stand here and finish what I'm doing. I make a sacrifice to be here and I expect you to make a sacrifice to be here. If we all build this church, we have to follow examples of scripture. And Jesus turned to the 12 that were left. You know, Sister Josie, 12 men left. And guess what he said? Please don't go. No, he turned to the twelve. He says, "You all want to? You want to follow them?" That's I, that's why I love Jesus. The circumstance did not push him in the corner. He turned to the twelve. He says, "You all want to go? Peter, you want to go? James, you want to go? John, you want to go? Follow them." And Peter says, "Lord, where shall we go?" You have the words of eternal life. They don't know that. 
They think you're just a good preacher and you're charismatic, but you have the words of eternal life. We got nowhere to go. He loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus until they crucified him. And he says, don't crucify me like Jesus. Turn me upside down. And history records that when Peter was crucified, they turned him upside down and killed him. You know, I think 10 of the 12 disciples were martyred. Killed for the gospel. Isaiah killed for the message he preached. Jeremiah deserted and almost killed. Most of the prophets of the Old Testament was killed for what they preached. If we're to build a church, we don't want to build a church that just have to follow all the traditions that everybody passed on to us. We want to please God. The measurement that the temple must have must come from God. But it wouldn't come if we are prayerless people. We have to pray. God help us. I don't want to bring Singh's tradition. I want God's tradition. To take a hold of our lives. Here in Isaiah chapter 1. I know if I don't read some Bible. You'll think I didn't preach. Isaiah chapter 1. A few scriptures here. We want to look at. Isaiah. You know the whole thing. I don't want to get into the whole thing. Because I want maybe 10 minutes more of your time. Quickly. Isaiah told them how they were full of iniquity. Verse 4. A sinful nation of people laden with all kinds of customs and traditional practices that God did not approve. Oh, they had great meetings, fully attended, big offerings. But God was not there. God was not there. And Isaiah told them how they were sick, verse 5. He says, you're well stricken anymore. You're not, uh, why should you be stricken anymore? Will you revolt more and more? He says, the head, the leaders of the group back there were sick. Now, you know, Brother Goodwin prophesied one time. And he said, the healing of the beast. Are you listening to me? What he said? Necessitates the healing of the body. Now, we take with that and run. What, when, what do you do with a sick person? The healing of the beast tells us something. The beast is sick in its operation. Necessitated the healing of the body. What is the body? I can't hear you. You only need healing when you're sick. Even Brother Goodwin did not understand what he prophesied. He said the healing of the beast necessitated the healing of the body. People run with that and he thinks that a healing of the body means a bunch of sick people come together and make it healed. Now, if, if we got one sick person and five other sick person join that one, we have a great pandemic. Epidemic. Right? If I am sick... And I got five of you come join me. It's an epidemic. And then if we carry that sickness 
to 500 people, it's a pandemic. And it's one thing for COVID-19 to be a pandemic. It's another thing if the body of Christ is suffering from a pandemic, spiritually speaking. Well, it's not possible. Read Israel. Pandemic. And the Lord said here, verse 9, here's the hope. Except the Lord of hosts has left us a very small remnant. Everybody say small remnant. Jesus said straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. When he put that sword today in his church, and the mass is left, it is important for, we understand, for us to understand these lessons. Except the Lord of hosts has left us a very small remnant, we should have been made like Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, it's the small remnant that God will work with. And in a period of time that we are living in, Peter made a statement, and let me see if I can find it here in 1 Peter, because I got five minutes left. I'm clocking myself because I want to have a little business meeting here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter made a statement like this. He says, verse 18, For if the righteous... Got that flashed up? If the righteous... What? Scarcely be saved. Well, I don't care. They said there's a great number coming out of great tribulation. Where are they coming out from? Go read back your Oxford Bible. It would say they're coming out of the great tribulation. We don't want God to bring judgment in the earth that then drives us to serve God. We want to serve him when he's beckoning on our door. If I knock on your door, will you open up? The Lord is saying. We want to serve him. Why wait until you're crippled? Why wait until something... You see, if you're to be saved, God will save you. Listen, that's why I don't fret. Well, Ethan don't want to serve God. But he's going to fret, fret, fret. No. I preach the word of God. I'm just picking on little Ethan. I, I preach the word of God. And it's up to him to use it. Because if he's elect. And he can't fall on the rock willingly. I must be there when the rock crushes you. Then run. I'll be there. Help you out. I don't know brother. Why my leg broke. I can tell you why. Because you broke my heart. But God will save you. And it is sad, somebody says, you know, when Job saw all his children died, that was a tragedy. No, it was not in God's eye. Those children that died, if they were righteous, they would not have died. Bunch of hypocrites. Job was a good man, but he raised a bunch of hoodlums. That's why they died. 
When Joshua sent Israel into battle and uh, 30 something people died. Oh my God, I'm so sorry the people died. You know who died that day? The hypocrites died to teach Israel a lesson. See, if I'm a child of God and I'm righteous, I can't die until my time is up. Until God has completed the work in my life, then I'll die. Some might have aches here, aches there, aches all over, blood pressure gone up. You can't tell which is the temperature, outside temperature or my temperature. <laughs> Sounds like temperature, right? Yeah, you don't know. What is it? Oh, it's nice temperature outside, but not inside. See here, God must take you through a process. Don't give up because a little rain is falling, spiritually speaking. When you have a challenge before you, stand up like man or woman and face it. Don't let the devil intimidate you. Make up your mind. If the Lord be God, serve him. And Peter said... If the righteous scarcely be saved, we shall the sin or ungodly appear. Uh, the book of Revelation tells us, and I got less than a minute. The book of Revelation tells us when the beast comes on the scene in chapter 13, all the world. Does that include Christians? Yes. All the world wanders after the beast except those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I could read further on. It says in their mouth. Is found no guile. They are without fault. Before the throne of God. They serve him day and night. May God help us. May God help us children of God. To be faithful. Because when it's over. The Lord would say well done. The good and faithful servant. You know, the Pharisees probably accused Jesus when he got in there. You know, we were having a good organizational thing going on until that, that young rebel boy called Jesus came and he took some of our members away. I wonder which synagogue Peter went to. They might have been glad for him to leave. But even Jesus' own family did not want him in town when they had a big function. His brothers and his sisters did not even want him in town. That's why I love him. I love him because he did not play games with the gospel. He served the Father and he did only what the Father bid of him to do. May God help us. May God help us to be faithful even unto the end. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this service. I pray, oh Father, that my words will not fall in deaf ears, but you would challenge lives. Thank you for everyone following us online today and those listening to this message. Afterwards, that you will inspire their hearts. Teach us to be genuine and true disciples, Father. In spite of the negatives around us, help us to serve you, Father. 
according to your principles, not according to ours. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.